Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Touchdowns All Day with John Barber, the podcast that doubles as my social life. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here today to talk about Jazz Fest, New Orleans, New Orleans. And uh, this is the third episode of the Touchdowns All Day podcast. And we're going to do a pre-Jazz Fest look at some great moments from Biscuits Past and Jazz Fest. Pretty excited about that. The uh, whole point of this podcast is to listen to a bunch of music, and this is a great way to do it. So it's Friday night. I'm at the studio in my house. I have a, a tree outside my window, which has been striped with neon all the way up to the top, and you can literally see it from all over Los Angeles. And basically, I now live in a Vegas hotel, which was better before it was a Vegas hotel. But it's here. It's Friday night. I'm here and I'm pumping out the third episode of the podcast. And, you know, it's it's about 10 o'clock at night. But this is my time. I mean, I'm a musician. This is when my brain is really trucking. You know, it's. 12.30 at night, most people are like, oh, I have to put my phone away and I have to, you know, turn off all TVs and electronics and put an eye mask on and lay in bed and kind of convince myself to pass out. And for me, 12.30, 12.30, I'm popping. 12.30, I'm ready to go. I'm asking for a Red Bull. You know, it might do a little matrix multiplication or something. Who knows? So, I'm podcasting tonight. And uh, it's amazing. It's amazing that we get to do this. And we're going to talk about the New Orleans Jazz Fest, which I'm super excited about. So, this is the third episode of Touchdowns All Day. So, let's just get this stuff out of the way. We got to talk about this. Touchdowns All Day. That's the hashtag. If you want to talk about this on Twitter, I'm at Barbara Shreds, and you use the hashtag Touchdowns All Day, all one word, and we can chat about what you think about this and what you want me to talk about in the future. Um, we are going to actually release the podcast next week. So I need to get this third episode wrapped so I can pump them all out for y'all because there's no point in making these in my room and y'all not hearing them. So how does that work, you might ask. You might say, hey, how, what is, how do you release this stuff? Well, I put it out on the Osiris Podcast Network which is uh, RJB and the venerable Tom Marshall. And we went to a Dodgers game earlier this week, and we had an amazing time. What a great group of guys. 
there was a sign at the Dodgers game behind the right field wall, I think. It says, security benefit. That's all it says. Just that. And it was right out of a George Orwell novel. And we kind of realized that even the concept of too big to fail is right out of a George Orwell novel. Even that idea is, you know, the, the corporation must survive. So, or the corporation must prosper, I guess it is, in the, in the novel. So we're literally living in the 1984 time right now. So get used to it, folks. Uh, so the Osiris thing, it's, it's a podcast network. They have a ton of podcasts about music, videos, live experiences, artists, stuff you guys like. And Jambase is a big involvement of that. And I talked to Andy Gay Deal from Jambase fame, and he is super excited. So without further ado, I think because we have a bunch of music to listen to today and a lot of it is old school stuff, Sammy on the drums, because the Biscuits haven't played New Orleans in forever, like 10 years or something, 9 or 10 years or whatever it is. So I'm going to go in the Wayback Machine and I'm going to look at some old shows and we're going to talk about it just like we did on the first two episodes. So let me just drop the theme song here. And off we go. Clearly the best theme song in all of podcasting. Who knows how long we're going to keep it. I'm enjoying it while it lasts. We may do a podcast episode where we just do theme songs. Who knows? New theme songs. Could happen. Got to do something. So let's let's start off with the show dates, obviously. Uh, Biscuits this weekend, Fillmore, New Orleans, Jazz Fest. The great return to Jazz Fest. Friday, April 26th, Saturday, April 27th. If you are already going, I will see you there. If you're not going, you, you got to book your ticket right away because the show's in like five days from now. And then we obviously, after that, have this big show at the Red Rocks in Colorado. And we have two Ogden warm-up shows. And that's 23, 24, 25 of May. And then I am playing the Disc Jam 
as the fill-in guitar player for Lotus. And I'm actually learning their songs. So we're going to play Lotus songs and I'm going to know all the guitar parts. And then we're going to take it from there. So I'm excited about that. We have a couple rehearsals lined up for that. So we're going to get super good. And I, you know, I've known those guys for a really, really long time. And it's funny that I haven't really played with them too much besides maybe an occasional backstage jam, you know, which is always fun. And then I just want to let you guys know July 18 to 20 is Camp Bisco, and that's in Scranton, PA, and everyone is super excited about that. And um, Drew has been killing the online promotion, and I love watching all the cool pictures of Camp Bisco's past and all the crazy outfits that people wear to Camp Bisco. I mean, they really go for it. So, all right, so let's talk about this podcast here. We're here to talk about Nolan's. We're here to talk about Jazz Fest. And I got a little story I wanted to start the podcast off with because there was a show in um, New Orleans that was what I consider like one of the first like really interesting uh, biscuit shows because we were really a bar band at the time. We weren't really doing anything besides playing these little bars. We did these little tours and nobody really knew who we were. And we were making like, you know, a couple hundred bucks a night as a band and you know, if you play every single night and you add that up, you can you can afford a small van and you can maybe get a trailer and you can probably put, you know, 90% of the trailers, keyboards, and then you can like maybe stick a guitar in there somewhere and maybe put a drum kit in there if you can. But it's mostly the organ and the, the speaker that spins around like crazy that every organ player in the country seems to think is a... Uh, is a thing. I think there's a lot of bands with like two or three the Leslie speakers. There's a lot of people with like two or three Leslie speakers on stage. And it's really like this, like what is this Leslie speaker that's like rotating? It's like a cone from a racetrack in 1944 that spins around in a circle. It's, uh, it's the musical equivalent of one of those multicolor hats with the little propeller on it. And every single band has at least one, if not five. They're super heavy. I don't understand it. But the the New Orleans had this club, and we had to carry the Leslie up the stairs to the second floor. There's this place called Jimmy's. And we were there, I think it was, it was 1998 or 9, and it was on, I think, like the 11th of February, which is... You know, a couple days before Mardi Gras, but New Orleans was already popping for Mardi Gras. And, but we had no idea. When I'd never been to New Orleans. I didn't know we booked kind of a quote-unquote Mardi Gras gig. Uh, we thought we were there a couple days early, and we were just playing New Orleans because we were just running around picking up a couple hundred bucks here and there. And we walk into the show, and it's a second-floor bar, and there's literally nobody there. And we start playing, and then... I look down at the guitar and play a riff, and then I look up, and the place is packed. I mean, there's just nowhere to move. There's nothing, nowhere to go. It's just wall-to-wall people. And we've had some, you know, at the time, we had some good shows. But we, we never had it outside of Philly or maybe New York or something like that. We never had this, like, off-city show that was just completely sold out to the gills. And I remember after the show, I went to settle up with the manager of the bar, and he gave me about $2,000 in cash. 
And I was just like fanning it out like, oh my God, this is an insane amount of money for one night. And I think we, uh, so I took the cash back to the band and it was, I think the first time we ever made 2000 bucks at a show. And it had nothing to do with us. It was just the fact that we happened to be playing on a night that there was a ton of people who needed a bar to go to. But we made out great, and it was one of the first shows where we made a, a, a nice windfall of cash. And we had a little party in the van on the way to our next Southern gig. I think at the time, everyone in the band made $100 a week. A week. And we did that for uh, two to three years. Two and a half years, I think, we made $100 a week. So pulling in two Gs in one night was uh, really an amazing experience. I still remember it to this day. And I think Mark was talking to the club manager, and he was talking about Fiddler, and he said, you know, that song, la la la, you know, Mark was like, that's Fiddler, and he was like, oh... It sounds like a bunch of Pink Floyd songs all mashed up together. Which it could be, I have no idea. I, I don't think that's a song that's was written as, in a Pink Floyd way. But, you know, the influences are what they are. So, I remember them saying that, and then I looked on the set list on Fantasy Tour, and I didn't see Fiddler on the set list. So... I may be confusing this whole situation. I apologize if I am, but uh, you know we're pumping out a podcast. It doesn't really matter, you know, unless you were there. You can't really dispute this because uh, I don't know if Fantasy Tour is a reputable site when it comes back to 1998, 1999 set list. I mean, is it? I hope so, but you know, is it really? Who cares? Who cares? But we did play Fiddler that night, and uh, we had that great conversation. So, let's start with the songs here. Let's move on. Um, another nice thing about New Orleans is a lot of times you play at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. No big deal, right? 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, you gotta get up, gotta play your show. And you're done at, you know, Biscuit shows three, four hours long, and the one and two o'clock morning shows tend to be five or six hours long. So you're getting out at five or six o'clock or something like that. So what I used to do is uh, I used to walk over to the fairgrounds and play chess with the old guys after the shows. And that was, uh, I remember doing that a bunch of times in New Orleans. You can always get a chess game at nine or eight in the morning in the burning morning sun. Uh, and one year, we played the Fairgrounds, which is the main Jazz Fest show, which I've actually never been to, so I don't really know much about it. We just played it, which means we, our buses were behind the stage, and we didn't go beyond the stage. It was a real like circus animal situation. And we were the animals, and y'all were at the circus. And backstage, it was interesting. It was three tour buses, and it was George Clinton, Disco Biscuits, and Fiddy Scent. And everybody was out behind the stage and kind of milling and partying and meeting everybody and mixing it up. And it was kind of like this 
legend, the, the new greatest rapper in the world, and then us. And it was a, it was a fun group. And it was interesting because, you know, those guys have no idea who we are. They really have no idea. And, you know, we obviously know who they are. So it's an interesting conversation. Sometimes we get to play those guys some music. I definitely played some music for George Clinton. And, um, you know, he did a, a smile and nod. The, you know, I think he smiled and nodded the whole conversation. Um, but he's a super cool guy. All right, so let's get started with the show here. What do we have today? So again, this is the Touchdowns All Day podcast. And what we do is we listen to music and we talk about it. So the music, I don't know what the music is before we listen to it. I haven't listened to any of these jams. Um, and so you, we're both hearing this together. You may know this stuff. I don't know this stuff yet. So this is all... This is all just off the cuff. So this show is from 2001. So right back, right after I got back from two months in Ecuador. And uh, we went to, on April 28th, we went down to the Howlin' Wolf, which is a classic New Orleans, classic Jazz Fest venue. And we went down there and we played a raging show. And so I'm going to play you some music from that right about now. So enjoy this, and I will uh, be listening right along with you.
This is some really high intensity stuff. We're really getting after it in this. It feels very exploratory. And I feel like we're trying to kind of grow into the new key and we're trying to grow into some parts, but the, the jam is so intense in the rhythm that it's almost like, what do you do with the harmony and the melody? Because the rhythm just is shedding you as fast as you're in the pocket, it's shedding you from the pocket. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like driving a car really fast with your whole body out the window of the car. And you're just, the, the, the intensity of the rhythm is so much. I mean, this is just pure jam territory right here. Pure jam band, super high intensity. I just love where this is going. It's like, it's almost going into jungle, but not, it's kind of, it's kind of like falling a little bit.
So that's how you play the intensity. You figure out something that has a way of framing the top of the melody and the top of the energy. So you can hear in that jam, I go to the high note on what is really the seven instead of the eight. So you musical people, like, you, 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 you want to turn around on the ones and eights. Seven's a little early. So by going to that a little early, I'm giving myself the option, play it further or drop the lick. And I have the one is still coming up and I can do that at any point in time. So when you're pushing through this jam because the rhythm is so intense, you can't really stop it. There's, there's no, you know, besides like calling an audible or something, how do, you, how do you stop that amount of energy? And why would you want to? But really, what you would just have to do is get out on top of it. And if you find a lick where you can get out on top of it, then you can loop that and let everybody kind of settle in and maybe even come around on the changes in the harmony a little bit while the trucking is cruising through. And then you drop that little cherry at the top. And then in this situation, I chose to play the lick. I think in a lot of these similar situations, I would choose to keep going. I don't know what was going on in this jam, but I know we have a whole nother jam here. So let's check that out. So this stuff is all back in the day where we used to use speakers on the stage to hear each other. And at the Howlin' Wolf, those speakers are old, and decrepit, 
and probably being jammed as loud as they can possibly go. So there's a certain precision in the jamming that's almost impossible to get from a, from a connection point of view. Like nowadays, the band harmonically has a little tighter position on that. This stuff, it's all it's just about energy, this stuff. It's just about maintaining, pushing, maintaining, pushing. And then let the change occur kind of underneath everything. So you can hear Marcus ending crickets right now, but Aaron was ending it before. And Sammy's like pulling to this other thing. And there we go. I like this intense old school sound. I like the uh, kind of high energy, very competitive for the space in the jam between the musicians. Everyone's very uh, competitive for who gets to put what note where. And there's a lot of notes really working. And, you know, Aaron really played a great jam there because... He confidently rode the energy pretty much for the whole jam. I think I was a little up and down, a little here and there. I got to the cap, just like you want to. But in the middle there, it's like almost what do you do? And I think he did a really great job of just finding really cool, interesting things to do consistently, uh, section after section after section. And then crickets will just settle you down. Just settle you down. Alright, so that was a great jam. I really enjoyed that one. And it's a pleasure to hear that stuff because, uh, you know, the band shredded back in the day. The band shreds now. The band's a, a shreddy group. It's always good to hear. Um, I'm going to drop a little, because that was so intense, I'm going to go and call on the uh, Barber Acoustic Show. I'm going to just drop a little comedic middle break here from the Bluebird in Denver, Colorado. Check it out. Nutritionalist. My nutritionalist would be like, well, you know, 
get one of those good British nutritionists. Like, well, we have the small white powder in a baggie we like you to remove all the hamburgers, smoke all the cigarettes you can get, take this white baggie of powder and just eat that. When you get down to 118, call us and we'll be sure to send you on tour. I'd be like, oh, really? Do I get to play Wembley? And they'd be like, of course, three nights. And I'd be like, all right, give me the way that I need this. There it is. A uh, nice moment from the, from the opening of the Bluebird show, the Barber Acoustic show from last December. Didn't happen in New Orleans, but I just heard it right before I caught this. And I was like, yeah, hey, I might as well. Might as well throw it in, right? There's no set length to the podcast. There's no, you know, I don't have to be off before Fallon or something like that. Uh, I just can play whatever I want. So that was a little bit of comedy from that show. And then we heard a super intense 2001 Biscuit Jam. And um, it was really great. And now I have another jam for you guys from New Orleans. And this is from the Cajun Queen Riverboat, which is a boat that sits right at the dock by Harrah's, right by, you know, right right downtown in the main area where everyone's walking around with their ugly shirts and their terrible Bermuda shorts and flip-flops, and they drink those giant green sugar water things that they think have alcohol in them. They have, like, it's like a quart... Of, uh, of cheap Gatorade and a splash of vodka and everyone drinks them. They're called hurricanes and they're, they're like, you know, sometimes they have a little booze. You never know how much booze is in a hurricane. That's the problem. That's why they call it a hurricane. Because you have one, somebody makes you one and they don't put any booze in it and you drink it and then you're so high on sugar from the hurricane that you have all this energy and you're like crazy high on the sugar and you're like, let me get another. And then they probably put like 17 shots in that one. And then the next thing you know, you're, uh, you're passed out in the park or, or you're, uh, you can't find your phone or you, uh, don't know what hotel you're in or you find your way into Harris and you play some craps, which is really honestly pretty much the best thing that could happen at that point is you play some craps you lose a g and then you uh you get out of there so at the cajun queen river boat this is may 4th 2003 this is a rock candy into basis and uh i'm just gonna be honest with y'all we were everybody on the boat was pupils to the sky for this show so i know the magellan from this show i don't even think i knew how to play it at the time i I just feel like this is gonna be some crazy stuff right here so let's listen to this and uh this was one of those like old school bisco like you know this is a real uh hippie love fest if you will let's check it out
I mean, that was just, that was just rowdy. That was some rowdy, tight, very funky, and you can kind of hear the ambience of the, of the people there. It's a small boat. There's people hanging off the rafters. There's people hanging off the side of the boat. It's, 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 the main, the boat was kind of cleared out, and, and it's, it's just a huge room of people there. And we took that jam, which was beautiful. And we just decided to go into this ethereal, spacey thing, which is... Sounds like it's a bit of a hit with the crowd. I mean, we'll see where this is going. love this old style dub jam. You don't really hear this kind of vibe. So picturesque and yet so heavy on the dub. And it's almost hard to stay there because we're trying to go somewhere else. But it's so colorful.
Wow, that was super tasty. There's, there's like in a jam like that, where the guitar is soaring, you can hear me like go back and forth between do I oversoar or do I get shred or do I oversoar and I'm going back and forth and I find that little twisty way to get up to that note where I want to get. And then you hear me come off of it and grab a minor third at the very bottom of one lick and that is that's me signaling to the band that I want to get funky and get out of sore for a little bit because you know I've been soaring for a minute and I'm just kind of you know want to do some other stuff for a second so I go down and I grab a note that's out of that scale but still kind of works but it really says let's get funky and the band they they didn't care they played right through it. They were like, you're going to keep soaring. And it was the right call. I mean, it was like we, we, had to, we had to get to this part of the jam, I guess, at that point. And I mean, Mark was just killing the bass so much in that jam that you really do, when, when that's the kind of stuff that's going on, as a guitar player, it's kind of my responsibility to soar the whole time, even if it's too much. Always good to hear a nice basis. I'm sure the uh, rest of that basis is, is pretty awesome. Probably worth it to go back and listen to the Cajun Queen Riverbud show on May 4th, 2003. So that is episode three, Touchdowns All Day, the podcast with John Barber. And look, this podcast is revolutionary. There, there's nobody doing this in the world. There's, there's no... Maybe there is, I don't know. I could be wrong. But uh, for me, it's revolutionary because... Look, look, I get to pull all these great songs out of the vault, listen to them, and enjoy this stuff. I mean, this is a... What a cool thing for me to do is sit here and listen to music and talk to you guys about it and know that you're going to hear, you're going to listen, you're going to hashtag touchdowns all day and we're going to talk about it. I mean, how great is this? I mean, this podcast is terrific and it wouldn't be possible without Rich Steele. Uh, he does all the engineering, he picks the songs, he makes the content. So without Rich, uh, this podcast would not float. So thank you to Rich. And I also uh, want to say thank you to Osiris Podcast Network because they will be launching this now that this is the third episode. Hey, we're, we're ready to go, right? So we're going to launch this next week. So, And you're going to hear it after that. So thank you for listening. And thanks to Osiris for launching this. They're really helping me do this because I, I can't do this stuff on my own. I got I to gotta, you know, focus on what to say to y'all. And, uh, you know, check out the Osiris at OsirisPod.com. Check them out on Jambase. And also, I'd like to say thank you to Fantasy Tour, because without them, how was I supposed to know what I did in New Orleans? It's really amazing to have a website that knows everything that I've done in my life, musically with the Biscuits. Uh, it's really unbelievable the amount of information that's on there. And... Um, it really like sparked my memory about all these times I've been in New Orleans and 
who I was dating at the time and, you know, all that fun stuff. Uh, I'd also want to thank uh, Brian Waldar and Jesse Burrell. They put together the little blurb in the middle from the Bluebird show, the, the uh, Stairway to Heaven bit. And I also am ready to push this podcast out. And to do that, I need cover art. And uh, Mark Dowd made me a sweet Touchdowns All Day with John Barber cover. So now we're done. We're ready to release episode three in the can. And uh, I'm very excited. And I can't wait to do episode four. Thank you guys for listening.